Breathe in Space Fade and Frontier contains adult language and situations, including alcohol use and romantic relationships. This episode contains descriptions of the final disposition of dead bodies and a description of radiation poisoning. Additional sensory contact warnings can be found in the show notes. I ain't got no home to go to, I ain't got nothing to sell, but my stars will never leave me, even when I'm sold to hell. I was born under a blue sky, and I'll die out in the black. When I'm gone, don't no one mourn me, cause my debts will drag me I am the ghost of Joe Brand. Tell me how you died. Executed. Just about the worst crime that can happen out in the black. The Protean Hind. Yep. Tell me about it. My official confession was published as part of the proceedings. Read that. I've read it. I want to know the rest of the story. That is the whole whole, whole story. It isn't. I need you to tell me. Why? Because she won't. I need to know so that... When the distress call was sent, I was 240,000 kilometers away. Initial reports. That is literally just the official confet... Never mind. Let's try this again. I am the ghost of Joe Brand. What does that mean? Josephine Brand is dead, and I'm her memorial. I'm a reconstruction. My face is sourced from photos and video. My voice is a mimic using recordings from my life as a blueprint. My words are approximations, guesses, based on things I said or wrote, public messages, private texts, even some journals and notes, plus facts and even the little input from those who knew me in life. I am not complete. I am Joe Brand, as seen through the lens of what we know. Though I may use the word I in her place, I make no pretense to be the real Joe Brand. Okay. I'm Tess, by the way. Pleasure to make your acquaintance, Tess. Now, what can a dead woman do for you today? Someone told me you were a scrapper. Did someone tell you that I was one of the best? Yes. (laughs) I was hoping you could help me. I'm thinking about taking it up. Oh yeah? A rookie? You got a ship? There's an offer on the table. So you come to old Joe looking for advice. I'm not sure I can be all that helpful. I never trained anybody. I just want to know if it's for me. What it's like. If I'd be happy doing it. I was happy. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now, we're a... an eclectic sort. Lots of names for what we do. Salvagers, junkers, scrappers, scroungers, cutters, breakers, handlings, ragging bone folk. And even more for all the different sorts of specialists who do what we do. Lots of different reasons to go out hunting in the Blackford dark old ships and floating chunks of metal. 
But a common thread is that you have to be very comfortable out there in the void. Because you're going to be out there a lot. Sounds lonely. Nah. You get yourself a partner, somebody you don't mind being stuck in a tin can with for months on end. Keep each other safe. Keep each other company. Although, I suppose, if it was only ever salvage runs for dead wrecks, you'd start to miss civilization now and then. But there are people out there. Every scrapper has a side gig or two. I'm a bonded mech, so I do brake fix and maintenance. Heading out to lonely stations and ships in transit, fixing what needs fixing, just as often... I was doing tow jobs or meeting people en route for in-flight work. So, not that lonely. And of course, if you want people, there are the shipfalls. Shipfalls? <laughs> you must be an inner. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Shipfalls are when somebody needs to decom a particularly large ship. Luxury liner or bulk freighter or real whale. Quickest thing to do is to haul it into one of the big shipyards down Sunday. Delaney or Sixon. They can have a big ship taken to component parts inside of a week. Trust me, I've did that job for a while. They'll also take a huge chunk of the profit to do it. So, if you're not in a rush, you can fly out to some place like Palace, Rogers, or LLM. Put the call out to the independent scrappers like yours truly. Each one comes in and bids on what they want to extract, then pulls it themselves. Now, none of us could handle the whole ship on our own, but all working at the same time, it's like a pack of wild hogs. It still takes longer than the big shipyards would, but everybody involved makes good money off of it, including the owner. A small shipfall can be maybe half a dozen crews coming in, but they can get much bigger. A hundred salvage ships or more working on them at once. That's a huge population boom for the locals. All those scrappers, plus people who come in to sell the scroungers food and booze and entertainment. Shipfall towns spring up overnight. That's the opposite of lonely. You're working almost shoulder to shoulder with these other crews. You all run out of spectrum and end up having to share blue line channels with each other. Then, at the end of the day... Y'all go to the same makeshift bars and restaurants. For weeks, you're all a community. Fun, food, fights, and other stuff. For a while, you're all one big tribe, working together. You work from the outside in. Each layer taken off the ship reveals more salvage to bid on than pull out. Then, one day, there's nothing left. Not even the frame. And the shipfall town uproots itself and scatters to the void. I did a couple dozen shipfalls, and I remember them all. The O Fortuna, the Atlas, the Silent Protagonist, the Wheel of Progress, the Americana, the Soul of Soul, the Lunarosa, the Ernie Four, the Eucnem, and the Pillars of Hercules. That was the biggest. Bulk terraforming holler. She made countless runs between Earth and Mars for decades. A daunting ship, like a whole station. 
Even the Grinners showed up for that one. They never come to Ship Falls, even when they salvage more than anyone else. Took 150 breaker crews nearly six months to pull her apart. Shipfall Town took Raven from a two-vac station to third largest population center in the belt. We were at it so long the whole thing started to feel sort of permanent. They replaced some of the temp bubbles around the town with fully shielded modules. And honest to God, Circus came through and set up shop, making bank off the scrappers who were flush with cash from all the salvage. Two or three freighters a week coming in buying scrap. And there were more than just bars and food. There were half a dozen brass houses, a casino, a freaking church. And the rangers even built a station special for the fall. I bet they had their hands full. <laughs> you betcha. We're scrappers in all meanings of the word. Hang around belter bars long enough and you'll see your fair share of rumbles, rows, scuffles, tumbles, fracases, Donnybrooks, squabbles, and knock-down, drag-out fights. I bet you nine times out of ten we'll have a scrounger on one side or the other. Probably both. What a strange thing to be proud of. I'm a Calliston street brat at heart, my friend. I was born with scars on my knuckles. And look, it's tough out there. If you've found a score and some asshole comes in to swoop it out from under you, you either square up or you lose your next meal. Although bar fights are different, they're really just for blowing off some steam, letting loose. You do it right, you're all drinking and singing together. So that's the life of a scrapper? Ship falls and bar fights? Not totally. Ah, here's something I can teach you. If you find a ship out there, deep in the black, just floating for who knows how long, better than even chance, there are bodies inside. You can't just leave them. Toss a body out an airlock, and they'll float. Forever. They get no rest. So we deal with them. What do you do? Practically speaking, there are three options. Easiest is fusion cremation. Use the ship's engine to vaporize the body down to nothing. But that's risky. You can damage your ship or launch the remains at a high V. If you're not squeamish, some bioprocessors will take human remains. Put them back into the living biomass of the system. Cryomation is probably the best. The void does half the work. You freeze-dry the body in the vacuum, then break it down to dust. And compress that into a stone about mm, yay big. Then you gotta drop them off at the next rock or station you come to. Someplace inhabited. I mean, by then... It's just a hunk of carbon, not a person, but it's, it, it feels better if there are people nearby. Most stations have a potter's field, spare storage somewhere for cremains stones. You probably won't know much about the person, so don't fret too much about a religious service. Lots of scrappers just, uh, they use this prayer. 
To this dear stranger, laid to rest unknown, may you walk no more through these dark hills alone. Your road is run, your journey done. May you at last be still and in our hearts find home. That's pretty. You're gonna say it a lot. How did you die? Executed for a terrible crime. Did you do it? I confessed. Is this normal for someone executed to be preserved like this? Hell no. Too expensive. What did you do? Do you know what a vulture is? Some kind of bird, right? Sure. Back on Terra. Carrion eaters. Circles around sick and dying, waiting for him to pop off so it can get a meal. Everyone knows that the black is a dangerous place. It's easy to get yourself in a heap of trouble. So, a distress call is a... Well, you might call it sacred. You don't have to answer everyone, but if you do, you're burning to help. It's a covenant. What's the alternative? A vulture. They hear a distress call and think, well, here's an opportunity. They answer the call and they drag their feet, or they get there and just wait. Wait for that ship in trouble to turn into some nice, safe salvage. No one wants to imagine themselves being in danger. It's a vulture who shows up, staring out into the void at a ship who could save you, but who's just patiently waiting for you to die so they can pick over your bones. People don't take kindly to vultures. And you did that? There was a colony ship headed for the Neptune system. The Protean Hind. She developed reactor trouble way out in the void, leaking radiation into her crew compartments. I had my little salvage rig a couple hundred clicks away, and we had most of what you need for that kind of repair. So, I answered the call. But you didn't save her. There's a lot of valuable stuff on a colony ship. Specialized equipment, fabbers, Computer systems, it was a game-changing score. I couldn't just leave it there. You're being circumspect. I need to know what kind of woman you were. Good or bad. Did you try to save the crew and fail? Or did you let those people die for the salvage? I'm guilty. guilty. I, I, I did it. I thought the score was worth it, but I... I Guess I've got a conscience in me, after all. After a few months alone, on the run, I... It ate me up. I came back. Turned myself in. Let this whole thing be put to rest. Enough of this. Tell me about Mariah. Uh, there's no... I don't know. I... I... Uh, 
Josephine, tell me about Mariah. Don't tell her what I did. She tried to stop me. Mariah? Yeah. What did you do? I... I, I, I didn't... It's... It's... Joe. Stay with me. Okay? Back up a bit. How, how did you two meet? She was a... We... We were just kids. I was looking for a way off Callisto. She was searching for something of her own. We both found our way to the Saturnian Drive, trying to be vaqueros. That's a young person's job. Hard, demanding. If you ever meet an old vaquero, they're always tough as iron. They're always a bit... broken, too. Walden Station was a pretty good place for rookies to find work. And I spent a week or two bumming around, putting my name in with a couple of crews. I kept running into this other rookie, looking for work. Taller than me, always with this big grin on her face. We ended up going for the same job. I was getting a bit desperate and flung some, let's say, unkind words at her. Still smiling, she gave me this look up and down next thing i knew i was staring up at the ceiling she'd laid me flat on my ass so fast i didn't even see her move i popped up ready to rumble just in time for both of us to get kicked out of the interview we ended up at the local bar pulling our last couple of chits to buy a single bottle of ganymede gut rock we drank it. She starts joking around that it'd be easier just to buy her own ship and make a go of it. Tell her if she ever does, call me and I'll burn like heck to join her crew. We shook on it. Then I realized we had sort of teamed up and I didn't even know her name yet. That was Mariah. She's my partner. Next day, we both sign on to this crew, run by an old crone named Mama Van. She had a face like an old sour apple. She was a slave driver, 36-hour exoshifts. Breaking our backs, tethering brolos onto strings 30 or 40 long. I have never, before or since, been as tired as I was working for Mama Van. I can remember standing in her ship's airlock, feeling the exhaustion to my very bones. There were two things that got me through that job. Mariah, who turned out to be just about the funniest person I'd ever met, and Mama Van's cooking. I never understood it. Mama Van was constitutionally incapable of spending a penny more on ingredients than she absolutely had to. Bottom-of-the-barrel stuff. She was a mean, bitter old hag. But, fuck me. Somehow, that food that came out of her galley was to die for. Criscuits, sample gravy, bean sprout pancakes. Oh, her fungal steaks? I once ate actual damn prime bovine ribeye, and it wasn't half as good 
as the two-credit chunk of mushroom cooked by Mama Van. We'd come off a nearly two-day shift, and at first, everyone would want nothing more than to head straight for their bunks. You gotta eat first, or you'll wake up in a bad way. So, we'd be huddled around the little galley table, and Mama Van would load us up with food, and we'd just dig in. At some point, Mariah would always say something, bringing up something that happened on the shift. Put a spin on it. Have us rolling. I swear, she would wait for just as I was about to swallow to say something particularly funny, and I damn near choked to death. We made a good team. One day, hours into a shift, I realized that since we'd gone exo, we hadn't said a single word to one another. No sign, no signals, and it hadn't hampered us in the least. I could just glance over at her and know what she needed or expected. Or I'd turn around and ask her for something and realize she was already handing it to me. Just perfect sync. I know the feeling. That's special. Keep hold on to it when you find it. I didn't first time out. After two seasons with Mama Van's crew, couldn't take it anymore. Quit. Signed on to a 24-month contract at the Delaney Shipyard. That's Mars, right? Yep. Furthest sunward I've ever been at that point. Not a bad job on paper. Short shifts, lots of opportunity to learn. Room and board included. But yard work is a mix of mind-numbingly boring and incredibly dangerous. You find yourself doing the same tasks over and over. Enough to put your brain to sleep. But one slip of a finger and boom! You've cut a live fuel line. You splatter yourself across the work bay. Can kind of tear you up. All that stress mixed with boredom. Lots of the workers there handle it by really letting loose off shift. I heard that Delaney shipyards consume more recreational mind alterants than any place else in the system. Of course, if you drink, smoke, swallow, inject, and snort your whole paycheck every month, when your contract's up, you got no choice but to re-up. I saw that trap coming a mile out. So, I stayed clean. Saved every credit. Wasn't much fun, had a couple of close calls. But two years later, I had all my shipyard pay and all my savings from the Saturnian Drive. To boot, I had six shipbreaker classifications and five levels of bonded mech accreditation. I was ready. For what? A ship of my own. Well, almost. I needed someone to go in with on it. So naturally... I think back. To Mariah. You got it. I shot her a call, and what do you know? Fools rarely differ. She was two months out from completing an apprenticeship with the Jovian Astro Merchant Fleet. She'd been saving her pay, too, and was the proud owner of a brand new astrogation license. Just like working Exo on the drive. They hadn't spoken about it at all when we returned around. 
found the other one had done the missing half of one complete plan. So you two got a ship? Well, just a hold it first. Once upon a time, she was a General Atomics CR-90. I think she was scrapped and recommissioned two, maybe three times before we found her in a salvage yard on Ceres. Bought her, grafted in a hob malloy kovar 10 reactor, christened her the Wandering Star, and spent a year and a half doing a complete refit with our bare hands. Once we got her flying, barely, we got to work making salvage runs. At first, everything we found went straight into the star, just to keep her flying. But over time, we had her kitted into a lovely little scrapper. Full suite of Waldos, toe-rated RCS, DG rig, bootstrapper, workhorse fabber, even an onboard microfoundry. She could handle it all. Salvage, decom, maintenance, diagnostics, break-fix, rescue, tug work. We could even scratch-build holes under 25 meters keel length. She was such a good little ship, our wandering star. That's a good name. How'd you come to that one? Because that's what we wanted to do. Me and Mariah. Wander. No home port. Go where we please do what we wanted. See the system. That's the beauty of salvage and repair. You can go just about anywhere. There's junk all over the place, and ships always need fixing. From Terminus to Mercury, there's work everywhere. What better life could you ask for than to see the system in your own ship with your best friend? She meant a lot to you. Yeah. Everything. I don't have family outside of her. She was like a part of me. The better part of me. That's the thing about having a partner. You gotta commit. The void is a dangerous place, and civilization is worse. You get a partner to watch your back, and you watch theirs. And you don't judge them, and you don't lie to them, and you don't ever try to cheat them. The point of a partner is to have one person. One person, at least, that you can absolutely trust. That means you have to be worthy of that trust back. You can be a scoundrel to the rest of the world, thieving, conning, lying, fighting, vulturing even. But to your partner, you are your best you, because you need them, and they need you right back. Your best you. I wouldn't have lasted a year without Mara looking over my shoulder. Because she saw who I was. Who I really was. Right down to my core. A hoodlum. Angry asshole. Impulsive and dumb. She looked at all this and said, Yeah. Her. She'll do. And I got no illusions about her. Because I saw her right back. Smarter than everyone in the room. Strong inside and out. And afraid. Desperate for people to like her. Desperate to not be alone. The big old iron walls all around her. 
And you looked at her and said, yeah, her, she'll do. Did you love her? Yeah. Were you in love with her? Ah. <laughs> Lots of meanings to the word love. A lot of different names for the most important person in your life. Best friend, girlfriend, wife, better half, soulmate, partner. We weren't bunkmates, I mean... Don't get me wrong. Early on, we tried each other on for size, just to see if it worked. It didn't. Mars more of a bedfellow-in-every-port kind of person. And I'm... I'm a don't-really-see-what-the-fuss-is-all-about kind of person. <laughs> but we were partners. That's what mattered. I just hope she found somebody new. Somebody to look after her now that I'm not around anymore. Because of what happened with the protean hind? Yeah. yeah. What happened? What really happened? When we got the distress signal, there was no way we weren't going. A big ship like that? All those people needing help? And incidentally, they'd be very grateful. Good for business in the future. Lots of goodwill bought. Mariah put the star on auto and we strapped into the acceleration cradles. I built that ship with my own two hands. And we'd been working out in the black for over a decade together. I know exactly how many G's for how long we could go before something would give. We pushed right up against the limit to get to the hind. And we were too late. It was too late before we even got moving. A radiation leak had been worse than the crew had thought. The colony company... When they'd installed the sensors, had, of course, gone for the lowest bidder. The leak had started weeks before anyone noticed. The crew, the passengers, everyone had been walking around all that time. But they were already dead. It wasn't anything we could have done. When we arrived, nobody answered on the comm. The reactor was running... The ship was just floating along, walking the hills above the valley in the shadow of death. We couldn't even go aboard until we shut the reactor off. I had to do that manually from outside the hull. Closed the manifolds and dupe-starved her. Then, we pried open an airlock and went inside, keeping our suits on for the shielding from what radiation remained. I found a lot of bodies in my time. In all kinds of states. All kinds of deaths. Decompression, explosion, asphyxiation, starvation, dehydration, fire, murder. Fresh ones, old ones, 
mummified corpses, dry as bone, rotten bodies, wet and wriggling with life. I've seen it all. What I saw in the hind was the worst. Nothing had prepared me for it. So, everyone was... We did not see a living soul on that ship. What did you and Mar do? What we had was a dilemma. See, the rule is, if everyone aboard the ship is dead, that's salvage. Fair game. But there's a sort of subclause, not official. If you responded to the distress signal and you get there too late, then you call in the ship to the authorities and don't touch it. By the letter of the law, you should be clear, but it's not exactly on the up and up to salvage the ship you failed to save. But you did. So much value in that wreck. We couldn't leave it. It seemed like a waste. If we called it in, the colony company would just take possession. Nobody gets anything, except some corporate bottom line is less in the red. Didn't seem like it had hurt anything. We didn't discuss it, Mar and I. We just looked at each other through our faceplates and knew what we were going to do. I stripped the fabbers and the construction gear. Mariah went up to the bridge and dumped the computer core into the star's storage. All in all, we didn't take much. Valuable, sure, but not that much compared to what was left. We called the rangers as we flew away. How'd you end up here? When the rangers investigated, they made a timeline. Saw when the reactor shut down. Figured out when we opened the airlock and did our dirty work. Knew exactly when we left. Then they looked at the medical telemetry from the passenger systems. The system that keeps track of everyone's status for insurance purposes. And it turns out, when Mar and I were there, stripping the valuables from the protean hind, there were still some heartbeats going. Dear strangers, dying of radiation in corridors and bunks of the ship that was supposed to take them to their new homes. Indistinguishable from the corpses laying next to him, who had been their friends and family. Laying there and following slowly after. And me and Mariah picking the ship over like vultures. It sounds like you couldn't have. Ain't no excuse. And when the report came out, people were furious, looking for somebody to blame. Rangers put out a bounty on us, 
We were on the run. We ended up hiding on Tethys. At the whole of the system looking for the wandering star. And rightly so. Maybe it would have all died down eventually, but... <laughs> it turns out... I do got a conscience. I couldn't stand it. So you took the blame? Damn right. Face the consequences, and in the process, save my partner from the same fate. I snuck off, took a ship to Ganymede, turned myself in, struck a deal that if they didn't go after Mariah and the Star, they could hang me and I wouldn't fight it. And they did. Else I wouldn't be here. Despite everything, I think you might have been a good woman, Joe Brand. <laughs> Don't let a rumor like that get around. <laughs> I need to go. Did you find out what you wanted to know? Yeah. I think so. Give me your hand. Uh, I'm a ghost. I can't really... Best you can. There. That'll do. What are you doing? To this dear stranger, laid to rest unknown. Oh. May you walk no more through these dark hills alone. Your road is run. Your journey done. May you at last be still, and in our hearts, find home. Thank you. Well, how is she? If she was anything like her ghost is, I could see why you two got along. You should go talk to her. No, I... No. Why not? It should have been me. She was my partner. I should have been the one to... She just thought of it first. Okay. Give me some time. Maybe someday I'll... be able to face her. Did talking with her... Did you decide? I think so. Yeah. I think I'll have some big shoes to fill. <laughs> no, you don't. You just gotta be. My best me. She told me that bit. I can handle that. All right. Okay. Good. Let's get back to the star, then. Partner? All right. Partner.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Breathing Space, Fading Frontier. This episode, I Walk These Hills, was written, directed, and edited by Scott Paladin. The ghost of Josephine Brand was voiced by Mayor. Tess was voiced by Christine Savage. Mariah was voiced by Mel Nichols. Our theme, Blues for the Black, was composed by Michael Fratog with vocals by Jeremiah and lyrics by Scott Paladin. You can find more links to learn about our cast and crew in the show notes and more information about our show at our website, breathingspace.lawofnames.com. Breathing Space Fading Frontier is a Law of Names production.